Luke chapter two. If you have a Bible, uh, please turn in your, in your Bibles to Luke chapter two. We're gonna be reading uh, Luke's um, retelling of the first Christmas, the, the, the retelling of the event of Jesus being uh, born into the world. Luke chapter two, starting in verse eight. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you it is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. I love that response. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. We've uh, had the opportunity and the privilege to be part of the leadership team here at Anthem Church for 17 years. And over those 17 years, we've had some really epic celebrations and parties. I think one of my most memorable celebrations was a karaoke night, and we had Matt Phillip, the gentleman who was uh, uh, leading the meeting, Matt Phillip serenading his wife, Sheetal, with a rendition of uh, Angel by Shaggy, if I remember correctly. <laughs> and what was most remarkable about that night, most of us know the chorus, but Matt knew every single word to that song. It was absolutely epic to see him do that. Another memorable celebration we had was when we hosted a South African braai. Now a braai is the South African equivalent of a barbecue and we had authentic food and everything, it was amazing. We also one year hosted a sumo wrestling contest with all the contestants wearing those inflatable sumo suits and that was, that was absolutely amazing. But I think one of my favorites of the celebrations that we did was a Christmas party we hosted many years ago when we invited or asked everyone to come dressed as one of the people in, in, in the Christmas story, in the nativity story. And then we ended that evening with a staged photograph of the nativity scene um, with about 60 people participating. We had a couple of Marys, we had a few Josephs. No one was brave enough to dress up as Jesus. We had, uh, we had shepherds and we had some wise men and we had a few angels. We had a, a, a great cross-section of animals, uh, a few innkeepers. And what I loved the most was we had a statistician who, uh, someone dressed up as a statistician who was taking the census that particular night. <laughs> I absolutely loved that, 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 that little addition to, to the story. 
most nativity scenes, like what we did that particular night, or on your Christmas cards, or maybe above your fireplace, most nativity scenes do their best to bring all the characters together, all the people who are mentioned in the nativity story. But what's interesting is if you read Matthew's uh, version of the, gospel, of the first Christmas morning and Luke's, they focus on different things. Matthew tends to focus on the wise men and Luke, as we've just read a few moments ago, focuses on the shepherds. But what they both have in common is this idea of light breaking into darkness. In Matthew's gospel, there is the talk of a star which hovered, which rested over the stable. And what we've just read in Luke chapter two is this choir of angels breaking in, the glory of God, the light of God's glory breaking into the darkness where the shepherds were. And that's in essence what last Sunday's message was in part two of this three-part Christmas series, the the series that we've entitled The Gift Exchange. And the big idea for the series is, is simply this, that God... Through, uh, uh, through the power and presence of Jesus, gifts us with intimacy with him, with everlasting life. And, and he does that by ex- exchanging his closeness and his life for us in exchange for everything. And I wanna emphasize that word, everything, that holds us down and keeps us back from growing closer to God. And so our certain death, for example, is, is something that, that through faith in Jesus, through our putting faith in Jesus, God removes our certain death and gifts us with the certainty of his eternal life. Our self-reliance and our sin is another example. God, God exchanges that with the, with the gift, through faith in Jesus, with the gift of his closeness and his salvation. He takes our brokenness and he gifts us with his, with his wholeness, our addiction for his freedom, our sickness for his healing, our loneliness for his family, as Griffin so wonderfully taught the first Sunday of our series. And then last Sunday, as I mentioned, I spoke about darkness being exchanged for the gift of God's light. In preparing last Sunday's Christmas message and in sharing it last Sunday, I was left with a sense that there was still something God wanted to reveal, that God wanted to make known around this idea of of darkness being exchanged for God's light. I, I, I felt like there was still gifts that God wanted to give us. And so I'm gonna be revisiting that topic this morning. In verse 18 of Luke chapter two, if, you, if you're following along, I want you to just to cast your eyes down on verse 18. There's a word there, wonder, which I find intriguing. The word in the verse 18 is used to describe the response of the shepherds, used to describe the, the, the response of the people who heard the shepherd's message after they had seen Jesus. Look at verse, uh, verse 17 and 18. And when they, when the shepherds saw it, saw Jesus born in the stable as they had been told, they were made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. The fact that Jesus is Lord and Savior. And then look at verse 18. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. In this case, in, verse, in the case of verse 18, the word wonder is used as a verb. And it's, it means that something is, uh, it, it means to, to marvel at something, to, to admire something, to be amazed at, or to ponder, or to be curious about. 
Now, there, there actually are two other ways that the word wonder can be used. It can be used as a noun, speaking of something unusual or surprising or, or startling that leaves someone in awe, or it can be used as an adjective, as in when we use the word wonderful, meaning that something or someone is excellent and worthy of praise and is glorious. Now, if we had time, we don't, to read Matthew's retelling of the first Christmas story, but in Matthew's retelling and in the passage that we just read from Luke chapter two, all three implied uses of the word wonder come together in the story of Jesus. Look at verse nine. Verse nine says, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, appeared to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. It doesn't use the word wonder explicitly, but it, 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 it's clear that the, angel, that, that the shepherds were, were startled and they were amazed. They had seen the angels, and, and hearing the news of Jesus' coming most certainly was a wonder for the shepherds. But they also began to wonder. In verse 15, it says, let us go over to Bethlehem, the shepherd said, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. They were curious, and so they began searching out what they had been told about. And then lastly, in verse 20, look at that. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. They returned declaring that Jesus was wonderful. You see, for the shepherds, wonder shifted to wondering, but it ended with them declaring that Jesus was wonderful. Their, their wonder was exchanged for worship when they took time to ask and answer the question, what does it mean? Their, their wonder was exchanged for worship when they asked the question, what does it mean? And I want us to use that framework. I want us to have that framework in, in our minds as we revisit the text that I taught on last Sunday. Because I do feel like there is a little bit more that God wants us to get out of the passage that we looked at last week. Wonder turning to worship for us to be able to declare Jesus is wonderful when we ask the question, what does that mean? And so let's turn to John chapter one if we can. If you've got a Bible, turn, turn forward a few, uh, one, chap, one book to John chapter one. And instead of just reading two or three verses, I actually wanna read all eight, uh, 18, the first 18 verses of John chapter one. It's an incredible passage of scripture. And I want us just to uh, kind of sit in and, and marinate in, in the word this morning. Let's read together. Verse one of John chapter one. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. 
The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were, bo who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. What an incredible passage of scripture. We could just stop right there and close the meeting. But, but there are a couple of things that I just wanna pull out of the text. Three things in particular that John teaches about light and therefore and wants to teach us about Jesus. Firstly, light brings life and so does Jesus. Secondly, light overcomes darkness and so does Jesus. And thirdly, light reveals things that we haven't seen before, and so does Jesus. And we're gonna just quickly unpack all three of those, real quick. Firstly, light brings life, and so does Jesus. And that's where John starts in this passage, in verse three and verse four, and it's exactly where the Bible starts. If you know the Old Testament, you will know that John is clearly and obviously and intentionally referring back to Genesis chapter one. Don't turn there, but let me read the first three verses of the Bible, Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. A couple things I, I wanna just comment about that. The first thing is this, that light is needed for life. Light is needed for life. If, if, if we were to read the rest of Genesis chapter one, you will notice that, that God declaring, let there be light, precedes everything else. It is clear that, that light is, is, unless there is light, it is impossible for us to have life. And John is making that exact same point in his gospel. Jesus is needed for life. If you and I want to live the kind of life, life to the full, life as it was meant to be live, lived, life that even is able to overcome death, then the light of the world is who we need. And the light of the world, as we know, is Jesus. Jesus says this in John chapter 11, I am right now the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. 
Now remember the framework, the rubric, the rubric through which we are approaching this sermon. Uh, 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 wonder to worship by asking what does this mean for me? And so I, I wanna be bold and ask this question. Are, are you, are, are we willing to, to swallow our pride? And I asked this question last week, but I, I wanna reinforce it again. That sounds like maybe a harsh question to ask. But friends, if we understand that the creator of the heavens and the earth came down to earth to live as one of us, suffered in, in, in the most horrific way on the cross, to do, and did all of that in order to rescue us, then the possibility of us pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps is not an option. And so we have to ask the question, are we willing to swallow our pride and admit our need of a savior? And are we willing to surrender our entire lives to the one who knows us and loves us more than we realize? The second thing that I want us to, to see out of this passage in Genesis and out of John is light and therefore life comes through the word. God said, let there be light. And there was. Again, if we had time to read through the book of Genesis, you'll notice that with light, God said, let there be light and there was. But with everything else that follows in Genesis chapter one, God said, let there be and then it goes on to say, and so God created. But with light, it wasn't as if God declared let there be light and then walked over to the heavenly light switch and flicked it on. It was in declaring the word that it came into being. And John wants us to grasp hold of that too. Light and therefore life comes through the word, comes through the person of Jesus Christ. Remember that rubric? Wonder to worship by asking the question, what does it mean? If you are a follower of Jesus here, I want you to, to cast your mind back on a time when you were in darkness, going through a difficult time, unsure of how to tackle a particular situation, needing the light of God's wisdom to break in. I want you to remember a time when, when Jesus spoke a word into that, and light and therefore life was released into that situation. I hope you can think of something. This time of year is a, is a time where I always reflect on something profound that happened to us as a family 15 years ago. We were convinced, unsure of God's call for us to move from South Africa to the US to, to help to, to lead this church. And after we had been in the States for a few years, we applied for a green card to allow us to become a permanent resident. And we made that application and a, a, a few months in the fall, a few months before the end of the year, 15 years ago, we got a letter from the USCIS saying, unfortunately your green card application has been denied and you have until the end of the year, which was about three months to leave the country. Our son Cade had just been born and I remember uh, feeling that initial shock and, and terror, to be honest, at, the, at what all of this meant, of us packing up as a family and leaving the country that we felt God had called us to. Every one of our children and every one of your children is a promise from God. And so I give that as the context for what I'm about to say. Debs had gone out for the night with some of her friends. And that evening I was in Cade's room. He is just a couple of months old. I was holding Caden. And I was just praying in the spirit and I felt God drop this word into my heart. You are holding your son of promise in the land of promise. 
And in that moment, every bit of fear and terror and uncertainty and darkness disappeared as the word of God was spoken. And what happened a few months later, on Christmas Eve, December 24th, I went to the mailbox, opened up the mail, there was a letter from the government saying that our green card application had been reopened. God spoke and light and life was released. And so perhaps you're here today and you're in darkness. Perhaps you're trusting for the, the, the light and the life of God's word to break into your situation. I, I wanna encourage you, look back and remember God's faithfulness. Look, slow down. This is a perfect time this season over Christmas and New Year to slow down and to listen for God's word and to listen for him to speak and, and worship Jesus while you are waiting for him to speak. Walk with God while you are, you can't force God's hand to speak a word when, in your timing. He will bring the word when it is right and good. Isaiah chapter 64 says, since ancient times, no one has heard no, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God beside you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. I'm convinced that God is looking for us to be worshipers humble enough to trust that God will work on our behalf. Debs has been sharing a lot out of uh, uh, this, this line from the first few verses of Psalm 121. If you don't know it, it says, I, I, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And the context for Psalm 121, it, it's important to understand that in, in order to, to really get the truth of what the psalmist is saying. Israel at the time were, were building altars to foreign gods. They were building altars and, and shrines to other gods under spreading trees and on every high place. So I want you to imagine the psalmist, the writer of Psalm 121 saying, I, I lift my eyes to the hills. And as he does that, he, he sees altars to other gods. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help, from, where does my help come from? From those foreign gods? No. My help comes from the Lord, the one who is greater than the hills. My hope comes from him, the maker of the heavens and the earth. And friends, in this season, I, I implore us, I encourage us, as we need to lift our eyes to the Lord, don't look at other things that we trust in. Look to God, the only one who can speak life and light into darkness. The second thing that I said that John wanted to teach us about, uh, about light breaking into darkness is exactly that, exactly that. Light overcomes darkness and so does Jesus. And I don't wanna to take too much time on this because this is in essence what I taught last Sunday, but, but light never loses in a battle to darkness. It's impossible for that to happen because darkness is an absence of light. As soon as there is light, there is darkness no more. Now, forgive me for this grossly oversimplistic illustration, but I want you to think of a block of Swiss cheese with its holes in it. I'm not, a, I'm not particularly impartial to Swiss cheese, but, but think of a block of Swiss cheese with its holes in it. The holes are not really a thing. 
They're the absence of a thing. In this case, they're the absence of cheese. And, and that's how I would love us, like us. It's simplistic, I know. But that's how I think we need to think about darkness and light. Darkness is not really a thing. It's an absence of the light of Jesus Christ. Maybe over the last year, two years, you might have found yourself, maybe like me, at times getting particularly discouraged about what we see around us. We look around our city, we, we look around our nation, we look around the world and, and we read things in the press and we hear stories of, of, of corruption and crime and, and evil and darkness. And, and maybe you, like me, may have said, what is the world coming to? And just recently, I found myself being challenged by that. And I found myself doing my utmost under the strength that the Holy Spirit gives me to, to, to look at those stories which previously discouraged me and to acknowledge that they're not just darkness, but they're an absence of the light of Jesus Christ. It's an opportunity for the kingdom of God to break in. And so instead of saying, look at what the world is coming to me, coming to, I'm trying to say, look who has come into the world. Let's think about that rubric, rubric again, from wonder to worship by asking what does this mean for me? Perhaps there are places or spaces in your heart where you need the life and the light of Jesus to break in. Light overcomes darkness, and so does Jesus. And then the last thing that I wanna touch on as we bring this into land, light reveals things that you haven't seen before, and so does Jesus. Have you ever flown into a city that you've never been to before at night? If you have, you will know what an underwhelming experience it is, because it doesn't look very different from the city you've just come from. I mean, it's essentially just blackness with a couple of streetlights kind of over the place. This happened when Debs and I, a couple of years ago, uh, flew with our friends, James and Jesse Lust. James and Jesse were on the eldership team here at Anthem Church, and they have planted a church in, um, in New York City. Now, we were flying back to the area of South Africa where we came from, and we were so excited to show them the beautiful coastline and the, and the ocean and, and how stunningly beautiful that part of the world is. But we flew in at night, and, and I was looking at them, and they were looking out the window, and I could see they were not very impressed, because there really wasn't much to see. So they flew into Durban Airport, and we rented a car, and we drove to our, which was a beautiful destination, but again, there was nothing to see, and maybe it was the jet lag, but James and Jess did not look very impressed. <laughs> and then the next morning, after the sun had risen, we opened the curtains, and there before us was the Indian Ocean with the sun rising. And we walked down, I'll never forget this, we walked down to the beach, this pristine beach, not a soul in sight, just the four of us, James and Jess stepping into the Indian Ocean for the first time, tears running down their faces. I say all that to say the sun didn't make anything true for the first time. It simply revealed something that was already there but unknown to James and Jess. And that's what Jesus does for God. 
the, the splendor and the majesty and the glory of God has been made known to us in the person of Jesus Christ. In Jesus, we realize that God always has been a God who cries at funerals and makes wine at weddings. It's just that we didn't know that that's who he was. My dad passed away about seven years ago and I had a difficult relationship with my father. It wasn't that he was a, a hard man, it was just that he was a broken man. He grew up in England soon after the Second World War and moved over to South Africa and unfortunately my father lived his entire life with the shame of unfulfilled potential. This incredibly, he, he was a genius, an absolute creative genius. But England didn't need, need creative people after the Second World War. And so he was forced into a job that he did not enjoy. And for his entire life, until he retired, just worked this dead-end job, knowing that he was the epitome of unfulfilled potential, as terrible as that sounds. And I remember one year, I, I graduated from college and I, I ended up in business and, and was doing fairly well and being promoted a few times. And, and I remember one uh, weekend driving back to the town where my mom and dad lived in the company car that I had just been given. And my dad came out and he was amazed that I had a job that allowed me to have a company car. And, and then he, I showed him a business card, a business card. I mean, that's not really anything impressive. But my dad took this business card as if it was a block of gold, and he, he held it in his hands. And for him, it represented potential fulfilled. And it broke him. It absolutely broke him. For most of my life, I've realized I've been trying to fulfill potential for God the Father, because I try to do that for my earthly dad. The picture of my earthly dad tainted my view of God the Father until about four or five years ago. And I was reading the book of John, John chapter 14. And Philip says this to Jesus, Jesus, would you show us the Father? Because that will be enough. It's a passage that I'd read thousands of times before. And Jesus replies, don't you know me, Philip? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And the revelation of the light of the word of God broke in and Jesus showed me something that I hadn't seen before. And suddenly I saw the Father through the eyes of Jesus. And I got to understand something. I didn't have an intellectual study of the, of the, the word of God to, to understand how God the Father was. I simply knew that when I looked at Jesus, I looked at the Father. Wonder to worship through what does it mean for me? Maybe you need that experience. Maybe you're trusting for that experience. Maybe you're trusting for, for God, to, for Jesus to reveal something to you that you don't know about God the Father or about a particular situation. My, my encouragement to you is there's no silver bullet. There's no magic to, to this. It's simply encountering God and asking Him to speak. Can I ask the worship team to, to come up? We're gonna land this this morning. I wanna ask us to take a moment just to respond to one or two of the things that I've shared this morning.
Remember that rubric? Wonder to worship by asking, what does this mean? And I wanna invite you, all of us this morning, just to take a moment. We're gonna do this just for a minute or two, just to reflect on some of the things that the Word of God has showed us today. And perhaps this is an opportunity for you to ask yourself, what does this truth mean for me so that my wonder can be transformed into declaring Jesus is wonderful? My wonder can be transformed to worship. We've sung this morning and we know that on, on Christmas morning, light has dawned. And, and that's, that's, that's amazing. We sang earlier on that Jesus is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He is worthy of our worship. But wonder to worship has to cross through the bridge of us asking, what does this mean for me? And so if I can ask you just to close your eyes for a moment, maybe you're here today and you need, you're trusting for Jesus, for His light, His life, to break in to yours. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I asked a challenging question earlier on. Would you be willing to swallow your pride and surrender your life to the one who knows you and loves you more than you realize? Coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior is not an intellectual exercise. It's an invitation and an experience of intimate relationship. And it happens through coming to know, growing in our knowledge of who Jesus is. The Bible teaches that when we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we are born again as children of God. And it would be my privilege this morning to pray with anyone here today who doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I'm not gonna call you forward. I'm not gonna embarrass you in any way. But if, if you're here today and you're saying, Steve, I, I wanna know Jesus. I, I wanna surrender my heart to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I would love to lead you in a prayer right where you are seated for you to receive Jesus. If that's you, could I ask that you just Quickly lift up your hands. I'd love to pray with you this morning. If anyone would like to respond to the gospel today, to respond to the person of Jesus, to say, Jesus, would you come into my heart? Anyone like to respond to that? Just before we go back into worship, if you can just stay in that posture of receiving from the Lord and reflecting on the things this morning, maybe you are trusting for the Word of God to break into your life. You're needing wisdom. Maybe there is darkness in your life that you need to, to be overwhelmed by the light and the love of Jesus. Maybe there's revelation from God that you, from Jesus that you need. Maybe revelation about God or revelation about a situation. I wanna invite you right where you are just to take 20 to 30 seconds and just to speak to Jesus. Jesus, would you break in? Jesus, would you reveal as only you are able? Jesus, may your word break in. May your word come. May your word uh, uh, um, 
just release life in situations where there is darkness and despair. I pray for the light of Your presence to come. Perhaps where there are, there are folks here, Lord God, who are feeling distant from You. Yes, serving You. Yes, have, they've surrendered their hearts to You, Lord, but their, their hearts have grown cold. Their hearts have grown uh, uh, um, cold. Jesus, may the, the warmth of Your light be released in hearts today. Jesus, I thank You for that word that Jonathan brought the promise of resurrection life over promises, over dreams, over desires. I wanna pray over that in Jesus' name. Let this be the season where we, where we see dry bones coming to life. Lord, may the, may, may the breath of your Holy Spirit blow on some of those dry bones over this Christmas season. May light dawn, may light come, may life be released where there is darkness in Jesus' name. Maybe some of you here are facing impossible situations. I read the story this morning of David and Goliath, 1 Samuel 17, and was reminded afresh that God is not looking for us to be heroes. He is not looking for us to stand up and to fight our giants like David did. David was a picture of Jesus Christ who fought the battle on our behalf and we can walk into victory through the victory that Jesus has achieved. Maybe some of you need to hear that this morning. Impossible situations, Jesus, I pray you would break in. Jesus, I pray that you would bring victory so that we can walk in behind you and step into the freedom that you wanna bring in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're gonna to stand together. Let's stand together and end off with a worship song, singing about light breaking into darkness through the person of Jesus Christ.